0: Welcome to Design 30. Hello and welcome to the Design 30 podcast. My name is Jason Billiou, and this is my podcast where I provide design strategies and tools to improve creativity, innovation, and overall design confidence. So let's just dive right into it. Um, today I'm talking about mental models. So first to, before we dive into what exactly a mental model is, we need to talk about a conceptual model. So a conceptual model is a very simple explanation of how something works. It's not a complete explanation and it's usually not an accurate explanation. Well, maybe not usually, but not necessarily an accurate explanation, but it must be useful. And a conceptual model can take many different forms. It could be a simple diagram on the product. It could be a YouTube tutorial that maybe they just point you towards with a UPC code or something like that. And it also can be simply assumed. If the product is simple enough, um, there can be an assumed or an implied conceptual model. So from that, then what is a mental model? Well, a mental model is more from the user's perspective. So it's the user's mental concept of how a product works and how it operates. It's the conceptual model that people literally have in their minds when they're interacting with your product. And so different people can have different mental models. Um, The same person might even have multiple mental models for the same product. Uh, It's not so much that the mental model is always the same or that every single person has the same one. It's more about the impact of of their mental model and if it allows them to use the product properly. So the benefits of creating an accurate mental model as a designer, um, this is something you should think about during the design process when you're working through uh, how you wanna release the product and how you want to explain to your users how to actually interact with it. And so you really do want an accurate mental model because it allows users to make informed decisions with the product when they're using it. It allows them to make educated predictions about what will happen when they try specific functions or when they use the product in different ways. And so this overall increases the odds that the product will be used correctly or as intended by the designer. It also provides the user with confidence and I like to say that a confident user is a safe and satisfied user. When you make something uh, or when you understand something, your interaction with it is very different. Uh, You're able to make good decisions with it. You're able to be safe with it. Um, You're able to teach others and that gives you more, uh, as the product designer, that's going to allow you to have a product that spreads or catches on more quickly if people are talking about it and they're able to explain it clearly um, to their friends and family, things like that. And then finally, um, it also provides this confidence. And when the user has confidence, they're gonna have more creativity as well and use this product in more ways and to solve more of their user needs. And so all of this really adds up to a more satisfied user. But I do want to reiterate that a conceptual model isn't always literally accurate. It's not literally accurate to how the product works necessarily, but it does need to provide enough information for the user to understand the product, um, how to operate the product, and what should sh- and what should happen when they perform specific functions. So. This allows them to achieve their desired intentions. And also, if an undesired result occurs from some action, then they will be able to uh, more accurately respond to uh, that undesired result. Uh, they'll be less confused, and uh, more importantly to you as a product designer, they'll be less frustrated with your product. So how do you, as the the designer, actually provide this conceptual model? Well, the first thing to do is to create a simplified theory of operation and then add this to the product in some way. So you wanna come up with a theory of operation, how this product should be used by the user, and then figure out some way to communicate that to your user. So this can be a literal map on the product, showing exactly uh, where certain features are at and what their functions are. It can be implied via features on the product, such as handles, what materials uh, certain features are made out of, and the locations of those features. You can provide a how-to video and a link in the instruction manual. Uh, this is actually for more complicated products. This is a very useful way to do a very helpful way to do it. It could also be culturally influenced, uh, things like bottle openers, uh, things as simple as a knife or a fork, they're common things that we've all seen and all have all, we already have a mental model of how they should be used. Um, and culture does play a big role. For example. If you're someone who hasn't been exposed to something like chopsticks, uh, you can actually find them quite a bit confusing. I remember the first time I tried to use chopsticks and I was not very good with it. Um, People don't know if you're supposed to poke things with it. Are you supposed to just kind of shovel it uh, like you would with a spoon? Are you supposed to pick up individual uh, pieces of food, whatever you're eating with it? Um, So without that cultural background, Uh, and that mental model that arises from it, it can actually be pretty difficult to figure out how to use, um, something, uh, as simple as chopsticks. So as the designer, how do you know if your mental model is good? Well, I would say the best way to do this is actually put it in the hands of users and then start watching them, interviewing them and gaining user feedback. So you wanna see if your users are frustrated. How often are they making mistakes in improperly using the product? Are they damaging it? And this is a huge indicator. If they keep damaging the product, then there's a good chance they don't understand it or they don't understand how it's supposed to be used. And then how do they respond when they make a mistake or when something unexpected happens? Do they immediately have ideas of how to correct it or are they dumbfounded and then even more frustrated? They just have no idea why this is happening. And then you can even ask them, can they explain uh, what they tried and why it didn't work? Do they have any idea of what's going on with the product? One example that I want to give to illustrate this idea of mental models. Uh, is this electric kettle that I recently purchased? Um, I've been using it for my pour over coffee that I've been doing in the mornings, which I'm just starting to love more and more uh, the more I do it. But essentially, it's a pretty simple electric kettle. Uh, the main body of it is made out of stainless steel, and there's a handle on the back side of it that's made of cork. And then on the top, there's a lid and where you grab the lid is also made out of a cork material. And then at the base, uh, it's plastic. So there's uh, essentially an implied conceptual model when you look at this kettle. Um, Based on just our experience as humans, we intuitively know that metal gets hot. So the stainless steel body immediately tells you that if there's hot water inside of this, that stainless steel body is also going to be hot. So don't grab the pro- the product there. Don't touch it there. And the cork is a very different color from the stainless steel. And it not only looks cosmetically good, um, but it also differentiates it as something different than the main body or from the nozzle itself, which is also stainless steel or the spout, excuse me. And <clears throat> so this cork... It, it catches your eye and it tells you that there's something different about this area of the electric kettle and then also intuitively uh, most people have this already have a mental model that would or whatever cork is exactly uh, won't heat up as much as the stainless steel body so this is a place where you should probably grab the product at also, the cork handle on top of the lid is the same thing. They're made of the same material, so this lets you as the user know, oh, both of these are locations where I'm supposed to grab. And then finally, the plastic on the base of it. Uh, we all have this intuitive sense of plastic, and it's often used as an insulator. So it as well won't be as hot as the stainless steel body. So this kettle can probably be set down without having to put it on um, a trivet or on something to prevent it from you know damaging your countertops. So this is a good example of the product designer for this electric kettle doesn't have to come up with some um, long explanation of how to use this product and where to grab it, where to touch it, what you can set it on. Uh, it's actually you create a mental model within the user simply by, the materials that you made the product out of and choosing different materials for different features that also have very distinct colors. And so it provides, like I said, this nice cosmetic look, but it's also very functional. Um, And this heavily (laughs) implied in this are the ideas of affordances and signifiers. Um, which I'm not going to dive into in this episode, but I promise I will get into those uh, in future episodes coming very soon. So in summary, what have we gone over in this episode so far? What's a conceptual model? It's essentially a simple explanation of how a product works. It doesn't necessarily have to be accurate. It just has to be useful. And then a mental model is what your actual users have in their head what's their mental conception of how your product works and we discussed different ways of uh, providing this mental model to your users we discussed the benefits of a good mental model and then we also went over uh, this example of the electric kettle uh, and how there's an implied mental model within the design of the product itself which eliminates the need for a diagram, or a video, or anything like that to provide it to the user, to provide a mental model to the user. So as we've been doing now at the, we're nearing the end of this episode. Uh, It is a little bit shorter one, so uh, you might even have time to listen to it twice. If you have the average commute, which I believe is between 20 and 30 minutes in the United States so yeah but at the end of the episode uh, I like to do these design 30 disciplines um, or my design 30 discipline for the week and and so the idea again just to reiterate is there's five different sessions you can break these up into five days in the week or if you just have one free day or a free evening, you can do all five, um, all at once. If you, if that works better for you. So this week in session one or day one, I want you to pick an appliance in your home and think through how you believe it works and, and how you think other people, uh, believe it works. And so in this session, just really think through that, pick this appliance, how you believe it works and how do other people perceive it and how do they think it works. And then in session two, I want you to actually write out a simple theory of operation. This can just be words. It can be some sketches, but don't get too into detail, but just a very simple theory of how this appliance operates. And then in session three, I want you to actually create this conceptual map or a conceptual model Um, that would be customer facing. So actually put a little bit of time and thought into this as if it were something that we're gonna be shown to a customer uh, that would explain to them how this appliance works. And then in session four, I want you to actually test it out with someone if you can, whether it's a housemate, family member, provide them with the conceptual model um, or this uh, diagram that you've created and get their feedback on it. See if they think it's good, is it accurate? Is it the way they would think about it? All those sorts of things. And then finally in session five, take their feedback, implement it into your, however you're, uh, prov- however you're giving this mental model, whether that was through video, a diagram, or simple instructions. And I want you to update it based on their feedback. And finally, if you're willing, I would love it if some of you actually sent me what you came up with. And that's something I would love to see. You can post it on the Design 30 Instagram. Um, And if you have any questions or anything like that, please feel free to reach out. So, yeah, we've come to the end of this episode. As always, please, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast and give it a five-star review. Share it with your friends and family and coworkers. Uh, you can find more content on the design 30 YouTube channel, or you can follow me on my design 30 Substack, and you can subscribe to that and receive those things just directly in your inbox. And then lastly, if you find what I'm doing helpful and important, feel free to become a patron at my design 30 Patreon. And with that, we're going to close out this episode of the Design 30 podcast. Thanks for listening.